Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. Today, we're going to be talking about what you should be doing if you're in the 24% tax bracket when it comes to savings. Should you save to your pre-tax 401k? Should you save to your Roth 401k? Should you save to a brokerage account? There's a lot of options, and you're likely asking yourself, what makes most sense considering what I might be in for in retirement? So that's exactly what today's episode is based on, and it comes from a question from Karen who is a listener, and Karen says this. She says, do you think someone in the 24% federal tax bracket who is planning to retire in two years should max out their 401k instead of contributing to an after-tax brokerage account? And if the 401k has a Roth option, should we take it? I'm the money person in our household, and I feel like I have everything figured out as far as our retirement income and expenses, but I'm at a loss when it comes to taxes and RMDs, and it's freaking me out. My husband plans to retire in December of 2024 at age 64, and I plan to remain working an additional two to four years part-time, just enough to get full benefits as I am four years younger. We have a lot of our portfolio in pre-tax accounts. We have $1.8 million in 401ks, $550,000 in an IRA, and we also have $20,000 in Roth IRAs as my husband maxes out his backdoor Roth each year. He will be getting a pension, which we plan to take as an annuity when he is eligible, and that will be $3,370 per month. I plan to take Social Security when I am 65 at approximately $2680 a month, and we will wait until he is about 67 for him to take Social Security, and our combined Social Security will be about $5,000 a month at that point. Wouldn't this put us into the 22% bracket when we need to start taking RMDs? And wouldn't the amount we have to take throw us over into the 24% tax bracket anyways? It kind of feels like all the same pain, just later in our lives. This may or may not be relevant, but our expenses to do everything we want to do in retirement will be about $10,000 per month to start and then adjust with inflation. We're both currently contributing 10% to our 401k accounts, and I contribute an additional $200 per paycheck to the Roth 401k, but I'm wondering if this is a bad strategy given our tax bracket or a good strategy given the amount we will have to withdraw for RMDs. I hope you think this question is worthy of your podcast. I look forward to your guidance. Thank you, Karen. End question. Well, Karen, thank you very much for that question, the detailed background as well. We will certainly be exploring that today. Just a couple quick items before we do so. Number one, I want to highlight the review of the week as a way of saying thank you to all of you who are leaving reviews. It is very helpful both to me and the show to help the show be found by more and more people. So this review comes from username Jim Ryder, and the title is Best Retirement Podcast by Far. It gives a five-star review and says, James explains topics clearly and concisely, but also very thoroughly. His latest podcast on gold was a great look at speculative investments. I recently listened to an older podcast of his on when to take social security considering investment returns. He covered it from all angles, while others just throw out rules of thumb and don't address the time value of money when talking about social security. I'm glad I found this podcast as I plan my retirement. Jim Ryder, thank you very much for that review and for taking the time to do so. If you're enjoying the podcast and it's brought value to you, or maybe if you're not enjoying the podcast and he has some feedback. Either way, would really appreciate you all leaving reviews. It's a great way to help more people find the show so more people can be better prepared for their retirement. Next quick announcement is want to make sure that everyone is aware of the YouTube channel we also have to supplement a lot of this material. That's under Root Financial Partners. So on YouTube, check out Root Financial Partners. Subscribe there as well so that between the podcast and the videos, you have a lot of different information helping you to plan for the best possible retirement and really to get the most out of life with your money. So those are the housekeeping items. Now let's jump into the question. 
And Karen, going back to your question, I'm glad you asked this because I think that this is a question that's very much top of mind for a lot of people who are getting ready to retire maybe in the next couple of few years. So here's what we do know from the question. We know that Karen and her husband are in the 24% tax bracket today. We don't know specific income, but we know that taxable income, which is essentially adjusted gross income minus whatever deductions they take, their taxable income today is 178000 to 340000 somewhere in that range. Now I'm rounding a little bit, but that's what the 24% bracket is today at the federal level, 178 to 340. We also know they have a combined about $2.3 million in pre-tax investment accounts. Some of this is 401k, some of this is IRA, but that full 2.3 million, that is money they will have to pay taxes on when they do start withdrawing it. We know that Karen's husband has a pension of 40,000 per year at his retirement. We know they have combined social security of 60,000 per year once he is 67 and she is 65. Once they both started collecting, they'll have combined social security of 60,000. We also know that their desired expenses are $10,000 per month. So that's what they would need to be able to do everything that they want to do in retirement. Now, one detail we also know, this is not from the question, but this is just from understanding tax law, is that in 2026, tax brackets will go back up. So the 12% bracket today, that will shift up to the 15% bracket. The 22% bracket today will shift up to the 25% bracket. And the 24% bracket today will shift up to the 28% bracket if no changes are made in current tax law expires or sunsets at the end of 2025, meaning in 2026, new brackets will go into effect. Now, as you're looking at this, whether you're Karen looking at this or whether you're anyone else looking at this, maybe in a similar position, the question of should I do Roth versus pre-tax versus brokerage, that question can only be understood in the context of what your specific tax picture will look like in the future. So it's not enough just to have a clear picture of today to understand what tax bracket you're in today. You also need to understand, at least have a basic estimate of what that will look like for you in the future. Now, there's a few different variables we're going to take into account with this, but by far the largest is what's going to be the impact of your required minimum distributions. For most people, tax planning is around how do we get around this rule or how do we minimize the impact of this rule called required minimum distributions, which today, and they might push these ages back in the future, they're likely going to push these ages back. But as of today, at 72 or starting at age 72, you have to start taking required distributions from your pre-tax accounts. So as we're looking at this, let's say Karen hypothetically had $0 in pre-tax accounts today. Well, it probably would be pretty clear that she should do all pre-tax contributions today because every dollar she contributes to a 401k or traditional IRA, if she were eligible, she saves 24 cents on the dollar to do that. There's a 24% deduction. Why do I say that? Well, look ahead to the future. We know that between pension and social security, once they're both collecting, they will have about $100,000 of income coming in, but they want to have $120,000 per year. So they'll need to draw some from their investment so that after taxes, they get an additional $20,000 per year. And that's probably going to put them in the 12% bracket at that point. Where I'm getting that is if you actually look at the tax brackets today, you'd say that doesn't look right. $120,000 would put them in the 22% bracket because the 22% bracket today is taxable income of 83000 to 178000 Again, I'm rounding a little bit here, but that's what taxable income would put you in. If you have taxable income of 83000 to 178000 you would be in the 22% federal bracket. So isn't 120 right in the middle of that? Well, yes, but keep in mind a couple of things. Number one, a maximum of 85% of your social security benefit will be included in your taxable income. Meaning at most $60,000 per year in social security means 51,000 of it will be taxed. So 9,000 of it is tax-free because it's just excluded from your taxable income. So yes, 60,000 is coming in in this case, but only 51,000 of it is being taxed. 
51,000 is 85% of 60. Now, also keep in mind is when you're looking at tax brackets, so the 83,000 to 178,000 for the 22% marginal bracket, that is taxable income. Taxable income is your gross income minus any deductions you have, whether that's a standard deduction or itemized deductions. So at a minimum for Karen and her husband, they have a standard deduction of in 2022, it'd be $25,900. Now, this is going to get adjusted up each year, but let's just use this year's numbers. And not only would they have the standard deduction of $25,900, but you also add on $1,400 for each spouse that's 65 or older. So at that point, if they're both 65 or older, it's the $25,900 plus $28,000 combined. So their total standard deduction would be $28,700. So if they're intentional about how they pull money, they could very easily stay in the 12% bracket because sure, $120 is what's coming in. Obviously, depending on whether that's coming from cash or brokerage accounts or pre-tax accounts, the actual gross income will be changed. But when you look at this, they're intentional about how they pull money. They could probably pretty easily stay in the 12% bracket. So again, why do I say that if they have $0 in pre-tax accounts, it'll be probably pretty clear to do pre-tax contributions today? Well, it's because they would save 24% on taxes today to put money into pre-tax accounts and probably be able to pull that out at 12% in the future. And in 2026, that 12% would actually be 15%, but it's still lower than 24% today. That's if they had $0 in pre-tax accounts. If they have more in pre-tax accounts, like Karen and her husband do, like they've got about 2.3 million in pre-tax accounts and they're still contributing. Well, what's going to happen is it's not just social security and pension and optional withdrawals, supplemental withdrawals that you're going to take in retirement. It's also required withdrawals. So withdrawals that you really have no say over, you're going to be required to take some minimum threshold of income from your pre-tax accounts in retirement. So let's take a look at that for Karen and for her husband. So again, today they have about $2.3 million in pre-tax accounts. Now the market is dropping, the market's doing a whole bunch of things. So obviously that number is probably a little bit different as of this actual recording, but let's just use it as a starting point. And we also know they're still saving their pre-tax accounts and we know they're going to retire in two years. Let's just assume for the sake of simplicity that over the next two years, that $2.3 million in pre-tax accounts grows to $2.5 million. That's a very conservative estimate of just a growth rate and contributions, but we're going to use it real quick here for this example. So going back to a high level overview of their plan, we know they have social security combined of $60,000. They have a pension of $40,000. That's $100,000. Let's assume, and again, for very easy math here, that they need a total of $140,000 pre-tax income to be able to live on $120,000 after taxes. What that means is if their pension and social security generate $100,000, they would need the remaining $40,000 from their investments. And let's assume they take that all from their $2.5 million of pre-tax accounts. So again, fast forward two years to the future, Karen and her husband have $2.5 million in pre-tax investment accounts. They need to draw 40,000 of that to be able to do everything they want to do in retirement. Well, if you look at that, that's only a 1.6% withdrawal rate. If you're taking 40,000 per year, but you have $2.5 million in your portfolio, that's only a withdrawal of 1.6% per year. So very sustainable. And let's assume a conservative growth rate from age 65 to 72. So when Karen retires until 72, Assume those assets grow at 5% per year. After the withdrawal rate, which is 1.6% per year, the effective growth rate would really be 3.4%. So the assets are growing at 5%. 1.6% of that is coming out as income to Karen and her husband. 3.4% is kind of like the retained earnings of the account. It's staying in the account and it's continuing to grow. That means that from 65 to 72, that $2.5 million that they had in pre-tax investment accounts will grow to about $3.16 million. And I'm just going to go ahead and round that to about 3.2 million, again, for simplicity. 
Now what we have is a situation where Karen and her husband, they were probably in about the 12% bracket between 65 to 72, or at least the equivalent to the 12% federal bracket today, which will likely be 15% by that point. But now they have the issue of today they have 2.3 million in pre-tax accounts. At retirement, I'm going to assume they have 2.5 million. And then by 72, even after they started taking money from their portfolio, now they've got about $3.2 million. Now, starting at age 72, they'll have Social Security, which is generating, and I'm not even adjusting this for inflation, about $51,000 of gross income, so the taxable portion of Social Security. They have a pension that's generating $40,000 of income that's fully taxable at the ordinary income rates. Plus, if they had $3.2 million in pre-tax accounts at age 72, and I know there's a little bit of a gap here between Karen's age and her spouse's age, but assuming they were both 72, then $3.2 million in pre-tax accounts would generate a required distribution of right around $122,000. Now, if their portfolio actually grows more over that time, their required distribution would be more over that time. But using a conservative example here, their total adjusted gross income at age 72 would be about $213,000. Very quickly, I want to again say that I am overly simplifying this. We're not taking into account dividends or interest or any tax strategy or more spending or less spending or market declines or increases. I'm just looking at a very basic example. But in looking at this very basic example, what we see is that 213000 which is a combination of their social security, pension, and required distribution, that's what their adjusted gross income would be. Now, even if you back out standard deductions at today's rates, that would put them in about the 24% marginal tax bracket. So 24% marginal tax bracket today, keep in mind, in the future, that would be the 28% marginal tax bracket. So as Karen and her spouse are looking at this, today they're maybe at 24. In the future, they might be in the equivalent of the 24% bracket today, but it would actually be 28% if current tax law sunsets at the end of 2025. So that's one thing to look at. Another thing is also keep in mind that the brackets themselves go up to adjust for inflation and other factors. So example, today, the 22% tax bracket for a couple who's married filing jointly, it's $83,550 to $178,150. If your taxable income, which is your adjusted gross income minus any deductions, if your taxable income is between $83,550 and $178,150, you are in the 22% federal tax bracket. Now, next year, in 2023, that will be higher to take into account inflation. So I don't know exactly what the brackets are yet, but maybe it goes in 90,000 to 190,000, for example. So from 83,550 on the low end to 90,000 on the low end, and 178,150 on the high end today in 2022 to 190,000 on the high end in 2023. Again, I'm just making these numbers up. They could be, they likely will be different, but something around there is something that we have to take into account because inflation is going to drive these brackets up. What that actually does is help. When we're looking at what will the tax bracket be for Karen and her spouse in the future, we can't compare it to today's brackets. And by today's brackets, I don't just mean the 12%, 22%, 24%. What are the marginal rates? I'm also including about the actual brackets themselves. So what are the starting and ending values for each bracket? Those are going to climb as inflation climbs so that higher and higher levels of income because of inflation, will stay at similar rates. So maybe it's not the 24% bracket when we account for brackets expanding. Maybe it's a 22% bracket. Now, adjust that for the future. The 22% bracket today is 25% in the future. So there are different factors that you want to take into play. You probably do want to do some more advanced analytics on this or advanced analysis on this. But in general, as I'm looking at Karen's situation, she might be in a fairly similar bracket in retirement, not just retirement, but at RMD age and beyond, 
as she and her husband are today. So you can see right off the bat, when we do a simple analysis of what if Karen and her husband had $0 in pre-tax accounts today, it would make very clear sense to do pre-tax contributions to 401ks because you want to take the deduction now when you're in higher bracket, knowing that you'll be in a lower bracket in retirement. Well, we do the analysis with Karen's actual situation, and she might be in a pretty darn similar bracket today as she is not in retirement, but once RMDs begin. Now, if we were to extend this example and say instead of $2.3 million in pre-tax accounts, Karen and her husband had $5.3 million in pre-tax accounts, well, then all of a sudden they'd be even higher brackets in retirement and after RMD age. So what you can see here is being in the 24% bracket today and asking yourself, what should you be doing? Well, that's only one half of the equation. The other half is where you projected to be. Now, some takeaways for Karen and in general. Number one, you should absolutely be doing some tax planning. Does that mean doing a Roth 401k today? Does that mean implementing Roth conversions when you retire? Does it mean pushing Social Security to age 70 to keep your taxable income even lower once you do retire, which allows for more time to convert IRAs? And you have to balance that with the opportunity cost of having to pull more out of your portfolio, out of your IRAs to live until 70. But that's one thing to keep in mind. Maybe it means doing some Roth conversions today when the market's pulled back as of this recording about 25%. So even though you're in the 24% bracket, do you do some conversions? Somewhat less likely to do that just because they're already at the 24% rate, but something at least to consider. So those are some broad brush takeaways of absolutely do some tax planning. There's not going to be a clear cut answer of Roth 401k versus pre-tax versus brokerage without all the information that I have for Karen and her husband, but there are some things that you should absolutely be looking at. Now, one other thing that Karen asked is she said, I don't know if it's relevant, but we do want to live on $10,000 per month in retirement. That's very relevant because my question would be, what do you want to do with the extra money? you will have the means of creating much more than $10,000 per month in retirement. When we look at social security versus pension versus required distributions or just optional distributions, you could very easily, assuming you're invested the right way and assuming kind of a normal circumstance here, you could very easily create more than $10,000 per month if you're doing things the right way. So my question would be, what would you do with the extra? Would you want to spend it and enhance lifestyle? Okay. Well, that goes back to the need for tax planning between retirement age and when required minimum distributions begin. How can you spend the highest after-tax amount? Well, you do that by implementing effective tax planning to keep your average tax rate as low as possible in retirement. Now, maybe you don't want to spend it. Maybe you say, you know what? 10000 per month is all we want. We really want to give any extra to charities. Well, maybe there's not as much of a need for tax planning along the way between retirement and RMD age. Maybe it's tax planning after that by implementing qualified charitable distributions directly from your IRAs to a charity. Now, what that does is you could take just enough out of your IRAs or 401ks to supplement your lifestyle, then any required amounts above that, up to a maximum of $100,000, you gift that right to the charity. Now, if that's what you do, wonderful. You don't have to do as much in Roth conversions today. So much of that RMD, that required distribution could go right to the charity, which means it's not actually even touching your tax return, which would keep you in lower brackets after age 70 and a half and beyond. And again, I say 70 and a half because even though RMDs start at 72, you can start doing qualified charitable distributions as early as age 70 and a half. So that would be a different thing you'd want to do. Or maybe you say, you know what, I want to use this for legacy. My husband and I, we don't want to have to spend more than 10,000. We don't have a huge desire to give it, but we would love to keep growing this money for future generations. Well, if that's the case, then we also have to incorporate children's tax brackets. If your children or in a high paying job and you project this out and they might be in a really high income tax bracket and you pass and you leave them in large IRA, they have to take that out over 10 years. That might push them into a very high bracket. 
Well, maybe when you're doing Roth conversions or tax analysis, it's just not your situation, but you're also incorporating your children's bracket as well. So the first layer with this is understand the tax landscape. Where are you today versus where you'll be in the future? It's not going to be precise. We have no idea exactly what tax brackets will be every single year over the course of your retirement. We have no idea how much pre-tax accounts will grow by, what the markets will grow by, et cetera, et cetera. But it is good to get a general estimate of where are you today, where will you be in the future? The next step is to overlay your specific situation. Things like desired spending, giving, legacy, etc. When you start to do that, then you can understand what to do today with pre-tax versus Roth versus brokerage savings. So as we look at this high level, Karen, I hope that was helpful and I appreciate your question because this is kind of a very similar situation a lot of people find themselves in. They're making good income, they've got a couple more years of work, they've done well with their savings, which means they have a lot of pre-tax assets. And they're asking, how do we balance this all? Because taxes are really never going to escape us. It becomes very quickly apparent. So applying this approach, this is what I believe is most helpful. If you found this effective or if there's someone you can think of that would find this episode helpful, I'd appreciate it if you share this episode with them. Share the podcast with them. Leave a review. Really helping more people find this. Would really appreciate that. As always, I appreciate you listening and I'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.